The following program contains controversial subject matter. Your discretion is advised. everyone welcome to what's the buzz on another tuesday night it's gonna be hot in the studio tonight why absolutely because i got mr pants on fire himself jeffrey marcus in the studio with us jeffrey how are you my friend welcome back for part two happy to be with you and i'm not wearing any pants i love this man <laughs> i love this guy jeffrey we are uh you actually are the inspiration for tonight's content and subject matter yeah tell me about that you and harlan bowl um of course uh, in conjunction with the hollywood museum uh, they celebrated gay gay pride month at hollywood museum recently and we had a wonderful wonderful event there yes and jeffrey was already booked i didn't realize that at the time i should have realized it that june is pride month of course and i have (laughs) a gay nephew and a gay daughter, and I should know this stuff, and I didn't know, but as serendipity would work it out, Jeffrey Mark is here, and we are going to talk old and new Hollywood, but before we do, uh-huh. let's talk about how how Pride started, Jeffrey. Uh, you have a little bit of knowledge as to the inception of the, the gay pride, uh, the the parades, right. the, the gay pride parades. Let's um, let's 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 the, take it back even a little bit further, and I'll make sure. it short to make. Uh-huh. But we got two hours, but it, these are Go interesting stories that even uh, gay folks don't seem to know these stories. So we have to go back a hundred years ago, and there was an organization called the Mattachine Society. It is the beginning of of gay men and lesbians and bisexual people and whoever was trans back then, meaning like how do we get out of this life without being killed or jailed or losing our apartments or losing our jobs. And they used to meet and everywhere they met, the police raided and they, they, they couldn't figure out how they always knew. Well, there was a mole inside who was giving the police information. So they found somebody had an apartment in Greenwich village in the West Greenwich village off of Christopher street. Mm-hmm. That was, in a very short little U, it was a cobblestone street. You couldn't get a big car through it. And because it was a U, you could see from both sides coming at you. The police couldn't come and just raid. And that worked. Well, the name of that street was and still is Gay Street. And those meetings began to be referred to as, oh, you're going to the gay meeting tonight? The people who attended started to become known as the gay people. Then the word was used, if you wanted to go to a bar, let's say I met you, you handsome W in a bar. And I said to you, golly, you're a sexy son of a gun. I could get arrested for that. 
But if I said to you first, oh. are you having a gay evening? And you said, oh, Jeffrey Mark, I'm having a very gay evening. Then I knew that I could flirt with you and not get sent to jail. So that that's where the word comes from. It became national when Cary Grant made a movie bringing up baby with Catherine Hepburn. And for whatever reasons in the film, he's wearing a woman's negligee because his own clothes were ruined. Yeah. And an old lady comes to the back door and they have dialogue and she gives him lip about what he's wearing. And he closes the door and then he extemporaneously opens the door and yells, and I've gone gay and slams the door. And they kept it in the film because nobody knew what it meant. I have a question that, about that. That's where the word comes from. I have a question about that. When yes. did gay stop meaning happy or in reference to happy? I think when more and more people began using the word, I, I would, this is a guesstimate folks. The New York times would not use the word gay until about 1990. Everything was homosexual or, or worse. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I would imagine around the time that the New York times which seems to be the arbiter of our vocabulary, mm -hmm. used it to describe us folks. That's probably around the time people stopped using gay, meaning happy and lighthearted, and we'll have a gay old time, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, it's interesting that you make the juxtaposition from, from gay to happy. Um, and then it was used in tandem with each other, happy and gay. Right. Um, which, you know, and I got to watch what I say. At the very least is, is oxymoronic in some regard. But if you think about it, it makes all the sense in the world. I, I think... A lot of people have tried to tie those two together, that, that somehow yeah. gay folks are happier than other folks. No. Uh, anytime you're a minority in the United States of America, you have a harder time, whether it's being African-American or Italian-American mm -hmm. or being a woman, whatever it is in this country, there's a little price to pay. Yeah. I can tell you that there are still a lot of gay folks out there and bi and trans who are given a hard time by their families, by their friends, by their churches and synagogues and mosques. It's not an easy life. It's not something you join because it's, it's a lot more fun. It's how yeah. you're born. And gay pride started as not, not a parade, not a revelry, just a civil rights march. Right. Hey, we'd like to be treated with dignity. We'd like yeah. to keep our apartments or get apartments because you could be turned down. I was turned out in my lifetime. I could not get an apartment in Los Angeles in one place because I was gay. They, oh, no, we only rent to families. That's the code word for straight. Yeah. You don't want to be yeah. turned away at the hospital or go to a nice restaurant and be told we don't serve your kind here. Interesting. So it was a march. And we marched the year I started in 1976. So let's go back a few years before that. We'll tie this all together for you. 
1969, the New York police regularly raided all of the gay bars. They opened and closed and opened and closed because the police kept raiding. It was the thing to do. Well, confluence of events. Judy Garland was a gay icon. If you don't understand why, let's do another show about that. But she was. Yes. Judy Garland, unfortunately, overdosed in London. Yes. The news of that came to this country early the next day or late that night because it's later in London. Yes. And the police raided... I don't know if you call it a trans bar or a drag bar called the Stonewall. Mm -hmm. And they said, look, do us a favor, rate us tomorrow. We are so upset and so angry and the police didn't listen. And the folks in there in, in drag, in trans or just dressed enough took off their high heels and beat the police into the street. The police made noise. Other gay bars and gay establishments came out. The police called for backup. And to make a very long story short, the gay, bi, transgender population of New York City beat up the entire New York police force. So gay pride is in memory of that event Mm -hmm. in June. That was 1969. I was 11. Mm. Now yeah. it's 1976. I'm a teenager, but I'm living on my own because I was gay and forced to yeah. leave my house and because of who I loved and, yeah. and that I had a Joel in my life already. And I went and marched for equality. We yeah. marched from, I know a lot of our people are watching us and listening to us don't know New York City geography. But mm-hmm. it started in Greenwich Village, which is mm-hmm. the lower left-hand side of Manhattan, yes. up the middle of Manhattan, up Fifth Avenue to Central Park, to the Sheet Meadow, where there were political speeches. Absolutely. I love my Catholic friends. Catholic friends, please do not take offense at this. We got as far as St. Patrick's Cathedral, <laughs> the largest Catholic <laughs> church in New York City, where the people of the moment the cardinal of the moment had a mob waiting for us. He stopped. We were about Mm -hmm. 10 across. And I, you know, there's about 150,000 of us this way, 10 across. Somebody called my name. I went, huh? As I went, huh? I could feel the wind of the brick going by my face. The oh. crowd had bottles and bricks they were throwing at Oh, my gosh. And, oh, my God. Um, three of us died that year. A couple dozen of us ended up in the hospital. Oh. But we made it up to the park, had our speeches. The next year, I showed up because I didn't care. I was going to stand up for my people. Mm-hmm. The Hell's Angels came. I don't know how this was arranged. I just, I can tell you I was there. This happened. And bike to bike, wheel to wheel, one behind the other, on both sides of us, 10 across, woe beyond to anybody who tried to screw with us. And they escorted the entire parade up to Central Park. The hell's angels of all people. When I see any bikers today, I shake their hands and I thank them. Because of them, Incredible. we live. Nobody died that year. 
The next I'll, year, the parade went from Central Park down to Christopher Street. Yeah. I had the privilege of performing and singing. There's no business like show business to 150,000 people. Ah, man. I'm going to tell you what. Right. Incredible. You know what? It's a, it's a shame that the more things change, the more they stay the same. And Amelia and I were, yes. were speaking off camera just before show showtime tonight. Um, Amelia, you want to tell Jeffrey what we're talking about, what happened in Colorado? Oh, yes. Uh, there was a uh, mob of uh, white supremacists that were in a hotel room. I don't know if you heard about that story. Yeah, of course. That they got uh, caught, thank goodness, by the police. It's just right crazy. before. Yeah. They uh, went to a guy, a gay parade and stopped that parade. They had guns, they had knives, they had clubs, and they even had, uh, I think it was uh, some other stuff. They looked in it. They all got in a U-Haul van and uh, they were about to, but a, luckily, thank goodness, a eyewitness saw them and told the police what they, they were up to at least. And they stopped them about, I, I don't know how many feet right before they got to that parade and stopped thank them. Yes, thank God. God. And I thank them for that because, I mean, who knows how many people would have gotten hurt, killed, or mm -hmm. other bystanders, too, as well, supporting the families of these people. And, yeah. and I told my son, because my son passed away now, but he was gay. He came out, and I'm glad that he did, but he came out late in life because he was scared to tell us. And I said, I knew you were from the beginning that I raised you, and he was Mother six years old when I raised him. Mothers always mm -hmm. know, and fathers mm -hmm. never know until they're no. told. And yeah. you know what's so funny? He was my stepson. He was my stepson. And I knew. And I, and I told him, I said, you could always come out. He goes, but mama, I should have told you. I said, yeah, exactly. Don't ever be afraid to say who you are or what you are. Because you're you and that's it. You're 100% you. That's how you were born. And don't ever be afraid. Good for you. Well, and good for you. Tonight is, uh, mm -hmm. is a coming out for me yes. of sorts. Um, I am coming out as gay tolerable. And I'll tell you what happened to mm -hmm. make this happen. Uh, I am ashamed uh, of my past in some regard. I was racially intolerant. I was sexually intolerant of other people's differences. Um, it took having a gay nephew and a gay daughter to, uh, to make me see the error of my ways. Um, interestingly, my daughter is dating a black woman. So, and my daughter is Egyptian and Italian. So, I, we've got the UN in my house. Um, if you can't get along here, you're not going to get along anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to, uh, uh, on behalf of my sordid past, ask forgiveness from all of those uh, people I have offended over the years, which was a great many, both publicly on the air and privately in person, which is I've done probably as much damage there as I did over the airwaves. Um, and shame on the program directors for letting me do it all those years. Um, I apologize and I ask for your forgiveness. That's why I wanted to do the show tonight. That's one of the reasons I wanted that. that plus, uh -huh. I got to give a shout out to Harlem Bowl and the Hollywood Museum, which we are going to do at length at the end of this show um but also i have a new friend named jeffrey mark and i love this guy and he's yes. a character we do we love him a an lot amazing <laughs> talent yep he's an amazing and he loves talent. you and he loves you back <laughs> and he's a hell of a storyteller and we got uh, that's you know what let's so mm -hmm. speak of stories jeffrey 
you're the go-to guy on this yes. one. Okay. Let's, let's, well, I'm going to go to Amelia's favorite part of the show. Yay. Right from the jump. Yeah, show, show and tell. tell. <laughs> let's go to show and tell right now. Okay. Marlena okay. Dietrich. Marlena Dietrich. Let's, it's been no secret that, uh, that Marlena Dietrich was uh, a lesbian or at, le at the very least bisexual uh, because she did have male lovers as well. But what was the surprise to me, Jeffrey? And, and I want the, 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 your knowledge on this is I didn't know, quite frankly. Marlon Brando. Yes. His sexuality's always been in question without anyone questioning it. Why is that? Because he was bisexual. Um, the man's... The, the man broke so many stereotypes. He could be extraordinarily masculine, especially in his acting. Oh, he God, was yeah. At a pretty, pretty face. He, in his early years, kept his body, not like a bodybuilder, but he was in great shape. Oh, we yeah, all enjoyed absolutely. watching him shirtless. And, and, his, and the directors kept him shirtless in his mm -hmm. films as often as possible. Sure. Streetcar named Desire. Absolutely. He married. He had children. Yeah. But he his his the love of his life was Wally Cox. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Marilyn Monroe um, loved Ben. But from what I hear, there was the occasional dalliance. I think much of humanity is not quite black and white. And I yeah, think um, people people. Marilyn yeah, Marilyn clearly attracted other women to her. It would be hard to believe that she didn't at least engage a few. I have no personal knowledge of that, but it would not surprise me. Cesar Romero, a proud, handsome Cubano. Yes. From Brooklyn. Yes. My hometown. And a guy who oozed machismo. Whose nickname was Butch, but he was yeah. gay. Yeah. And he had to hide it in order to get roles. It was look at him, look at him, look at him at the, as the Joker on Batman. Yes, you can see it there. Yeah, absolutely. And if there was ever a, a role that, albeit television, and I know movie stars, movie actors look down upon television, but that television show made him a household name again. Yes, it did. It revitalized it, his career. It sure did. There is a story. I don't know how true it is. You know, the late Gilbert Gottfried, rest his soul, used to tell stories about Cesar Romero and oranges. He had, you know where I'm going with this? Yeah. Okay. So if you don't know what Jeffrey and I are talking about and why Jeffrey is snickering, it is alleged, I should say this, it is alleged by the late, great Gilbert Gottfried, rest in peace, that Cesar Romero loved to have orange wedges shoved between his buttock cheeks. And that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Garbo. Uh, Garbo. Yes. When Garbo talked, did she say, I want to be alone or I want to be alone with you? 
we, we talked about this off camera. I, I don't know if creative people are more bisexual than folks who aren't in the business. I think maybe fame and money gives one the opportunity to experiment. Cary Grant was ah. gay, uh, but married women and had a daughter. Yeah. But the love of his life was a man. So Absolutely. Randolph Scott. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, I'll tell you what, it absolutely surprised me. That's the one I would not have figured on was Cary huh? Grant. He oh, re yes. really surprised me. That, that didn't he surprise was... me at all. I knew when I was a little boy that he was gay. Wow. Joan Crawford's another one that surprised me. I don't think Joan Crawford was lesbian the way you're talking. Okay. I think she was another person who was open to things okay open to experimentation you. remember joan crawford as a person was very right-wing very very conservative republican um she was not uh socially open yeah so whatever she did she did privately and maybe for good reasons and maybe because she enjoyed it rock hudson absolutely gay and that, and again, um, back in the day, you wouldn't find a, a more uh, rugged, handsome, manly man. Well, that's the part. Those are the parts he played. He was a good actor, a very and, good actor you know, indeed. I, I think I think we need to sort of squash stereotypes. Lesbians yeah. are not truck drivers, and gay men are not. Are not, I was going to say ballet dancers, and here am I being prejudiced, are right. not all light in the loafers. Gay well, that's why we're like, here, Jeffrey. We, we are, we are actually are here to put the kibosh on the stereotypes for sure. Um, gay folks, bi folks, trans folks are like straight folks. We come in all kinds of sizes and mm -hmm. all kinds of colors and all kinds of flavors. And, uh, Tulula Bankhead. Oh, we should do sometimes just two hours of my Tulula Bankhead stories because that woman was really was outrageous. Ramon Navarro, completely gay. Right. Interesting. Now, here's a guy that a lot of people don't know about, but Ramon Navarro was an amazing, amazing actor. And this woman surprised me as well, Elizabeth Scott. Some lesbians can be ultra feminine and seductive. You know, I, again, acting and yeah. creative. James Dean, it seemed, was open to almost anything. Yeah, there was a um, coterie, there was a coterie of actors. If we could, if you could keep on him for just a second, um, sure. a coterie of actors: Jack Larson, who played Jimmy Olsen on the Superman series. Oh, sure. Tab Hunter, Rock. Him, Marlon, uh, I could name several more. They all had to hide who they were. Some of them were gay. Many of them were bi, truly bisexual, loved men, loved women. Yeah. Some of them just didn't care, were just super sexual and liked to have fun. Mm -hmm. And they, they kind of all played together. And there, there are other names I could mention that I won't. Right. Who led straight lives, who also were a part of that group. Um, they trusted each other not to out themselves, not yeah. to do anything in public that would cause 
tremendous harm to anybody. Uh, of that group, the only one I got to know personally was Tab Hunter, mm -hmm. a delightful, delightful man. I was out to his house in Santa Barbara late in his life and sat on his bed with him and watched Ethel Merman videos. Oh, um, <laughs> he was a big Ethel Merman fan. Um, and his partner was a big Lucille Ball fan, so I brought videos for everybody. Um, this surprise that one or another is or isn't, oh, she's so sweet. She's a lesbian. Oh, he's so rugged. He's a... I, I think that's part of what's wrong, mm -hmm. that we immediately put these things together. Macho is straight, effeminate is gay. Right. Uh, feminine is a woman, not feminine. You know, if you if you would use that, then Joan Rivers was a lesbian, and she wasn't. Ethel Merman was a lesbian, she wasn't. But they right. were powerful, powerful women. Spencer Tracy, I have heard this over and over from people. Yeah. No one has ever proved it to me. His relationship with Catherine Hepburn was real, but yeah. supposedly Miss Hepburn was bisexual. So maybe here were two bisexual people who fell in love. He allegedly had a relationship with Duncan Ronaldo. It that's could very the, well that's be. That's the word. It could be. I've never met anybody who said that was true. I told, and folks who are watching and listening, I promised our hosts that I would not out anybody that I didn't know for sure. I'm not going to speculate. I have heard that Miss Hepburn, after Mr. Tracy died, had a relationship with a woman for many years. I have never heard anything where Mr. I, I personally, where Mr. Tracy was. I can't speak to it. Yeah, but Marlon Brando, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, the, the heading here is uh, Marlon Brando allegedly thought homosexuality was quote all the rage. Uh, Barbara Stanwyck is another one, Jeffrey, that we right. that we've heard repeatedly about. She was. Uh, I can tell you for sure. I can tell you for certain that Tab and Anthony had a relationship. That yeah. I heard that from Tab told me that to my face. So that is the truth. There is a gentleman that is um, a very well-known actor, been around a long time, who is part of the Hollywood Museum. I know him from many, many years ago. George Chikaris. Yes. He's a friend George of mine. is an openly gay man. Yes, he is. And and for many, many years openly gay. But it never seemed to affect his place in Hollywood. It never prohibited him from getting work, uh, from getting good work. Um, is he not working now by choice, Jeffrey? Well, let, let's 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 put some facts out there for you. Okay. The height of George's acting career in the fifties and sixties, he didn't change, but he was not openly gay back then. That he was gay was not a secret to people who worked with him. Like okay. most of the people we're discussing, uh, the people who worked with them and knew them in their personal lives, they knew what was going on. Show business seems to be a place where nobody really cares about that stuff because everybody's got a skeleton in their closet someplace. Uh, George is 87 years old. He is still handsome as ever. He is still built exactly like he was in my side story. I it's don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. But we are friends. 
But we don't talk about that. I mean, we don't sit and discuss, gee, what's it like to be gay? It's just part of who we are, one of a million other parts. So I don't think George really wants to do all that much acting in 87. Right. He can't dance anymore. But a delightful, charming, talented, handsome man. He's 87. If he were single, I'd date him tomorrow. He doesn't look anywhere near 87. I've been as close to his face as I am to this microphone. And that close up, he does not look 87. He looks remarkable. Again, Harlan Bull has um, posted a plethora of photos um, on both the Hollywood Museum page and on uh, B. Harlan Bull uh, Facebook page. And, you know, when you're looking at, uh, at, at George Chikaris, uh, I mean, I'm looking at a guy who maybe Jeffrey looks 64, 65. Maybe. George Chikaris just lucked out with... Gen oh goodness gracious! I almost said genitalia. I meant genetics. What a, what a whole that would be! He got the fountain of youth. Genetically, oh, genetically, oh, genetically oh, that one out. too. And maybe also, maybe also, I'm, I'm gonna push right past this. Maybe also, he is such a warm, loving, delightful human being. Maybe that's why he looks so young. Absolutely, uh -huh. Montgomery Clift, another guy that. Uh, Long history of uh, we'll take that out now. I think Monty um, Clift had had mental health issues apart and aside from his own sexuality. Yeah, you know who we sleep with or who turns us on or what kind of porn we watch mm -hmm. is not a very good definition of who we are as persons. And the people we're talking about. If Joan Crawford herself was also a little bit of a tortured soul, it's got nothing to do with who she slept with or didn't sleep with. Yeah. It has to do with life experiences and genetics and what happens to us. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately for someone like Joan Crawford, her, her ending was very, very sad. For others, the ending turns out great. Rock Hudson, unfortunately, you know, and, and Liberace, another gay icon, died of AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Liberace chose to go in the closet to his grave. Rock wouldn't admit he was gay till the last few months he was alive. So there are people, I won't mention her name, a very famous woman in musical comedy and television who had the same female lover for 50 or 60 years, died three and a half years ago, the same week my partner did. Yeah. Never acknowledged that she was a lesbian or bisexual yeah. or that she lived with this woman all these years. And I know who you're talking about. She yeah. just couldn't face what the world might think of her. Yeah. There's a wonderful character actor who has been in hundreds of television shows and films through the years mm -hmm. from the late 40s on who had an African-American female lover. Mm -hmm. I went to her house she introduced me to her as the maid. So I don't think the average American knows how difficult it was for people, let's say before 20 years ago, yeah. to be openly gay or bisexual or whatever it is they want to be. It was hard 
my Joel, Joel Kabik, my partner of 47 years, yeah. got beaten in front of me because of me. I got thrown out of my house. Yeah. There are there are sad, sad tales of men and women who are thrown out by their families who ended up on the streets, who ended up in drug addiction yeah. and dying. Um, good heavens, during the AIDS crisis in the 80s when it first started, men, especially men, were dying. I mean, left yeah. and right. It wasn't, it was almost a joke. And their families wouldn't come help them, wouldn't visit them, wouldn't help them out financially. Yeah. And then when their son died, they'd swoop in. Heaven forfend, he was part of a couple and the apartment was in his name. Yeah. They'd throw the guy out. They would grab everything in the apartment, even though it belonged to the other guy. Oh no, this apartment is in my son's name. So everything in here now belongs to me. Oh. But they wouldn't visit the poor son of a bitch Incredible. while he was dying. Jeffrey, back in the 1950s, um, Joseph McCarthy uh, had this, um, this witch hunt, uh, hunting down people he thought were communists. Yes. And a lot of these people were blackballed, um, couldn't work, had to use pseudonyms to work, particularly um, people in the gay community and uh, Jews. He was targeting Jews yeah. for whatever you reason. Just, you just said the magic word because the witch hunt was really a Jew hunt. It was yeah. it was right wing America. After World War Two did not like the idea of Israel being made into a state, did mm -hmm. not want the immigrant Jews in this country. That's why Israel was made. We wouldn't take them in, shame on us, and then wanted to get Jews out of show business. That's what the witch hunt was about. Well, if you take Jews out of show business, you have no show business. I want people to think about something. Vaudeville vaudeville the height of entertainment in its day was 99.9 percent .9 jew owned run and uh, occupied it, that's a fact and it's indisputable and if you don't believe me google it and check the names there's when, a lot of bergs and a lot of steins there when a lot of Jewish people came to this country in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Jewish people couldn't get into colleges. Mm -hmm. They weren't allowed. Believe it or not, for all the Jewish doctor talk, it was very rare. Yeah. We weren't allowed in trade schools. Jews had to become business people. There was no other work for them Incredible. because they weren't wanted. Well, some of the Jewish people fell into show business, either early in the movie industry, early in the radio industry, early in vaudeville, early on Broadway. And if you looked at all of the major composers for Broadway, yeah, 95% of them are Jewish. Um, the only thing that's not Jewish are the stars because yeah. they were unacceptable. The ones who were had to either hide it or they played on it. So uh, Fanny Bryce used her Jewishness far beyond her own Judaism. Fanny didn't speak Yiddish. She didn't talk right. like that, but she used it 
as a way to make a name for herself. And you, you, you talk about people like Kitty Carlisle. Yeah. Mrs. Hart was Jewish, but she didn't practice the religion. She didn't go to synagogue. She didn't raise her children that way. Right. Um, I think Jews are in the, the arts because they could get into the arts. The same reason a lot of gay people are in the arts. It was a place to go where you'd be accepted and where your talents could be used. When I got clean and sober at 30, you've heard that story. Yes, I had a drug and alcohol problem in my 20s. The first person in the show business industry to reach out to me to come back was Paul Peterson. Bless his heart. Just saw mm -hmm. Paul uh, a few days ago in Los Angeles. And he said, Jeff, the first thing you have to know how it stands these days, show business is run by gay Jews Jews, who spend, gay Jews, who yes. spend half their day denying they're Jewish and the other half denying they're gay. That's okay. Yeah. Amazing. Because they have to. I saw a film, Jeffrey, I saw a film uh, recently, very recently, in fact, called When Jews Were Funny. Yes. I you know it. the film? Okay. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. Uh, can we talk about that? Um, what is it about and I'm still trying to, I, I'm again, I, I don't purport to know everything. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the connection between being Jewish and being funny. Is it that oppressive nature? Yes. Is that it? Because the same can be said of gays. They're incredibly creative people. They're, they find ways to make money. The, Part of the like, survival, the survive. It's a survival instinct. When you come from, and I hope the African American folks watching and listening can relate to this. When you come from hundreds of years of slavery, which the Jews did in Egypt. No offense to the Egyptian. Um, was it your wife who's Egyptian, sir? My daughter. She's uh, Egyptian and Italian. Okay, so no offense, but at that moment, Jews were slaves for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And then when the slavery ended and then there's all these years and years and years of Jewish folks being thrown out of every country they go into, it's a survival to make fun of yourself, to make fun of your oppressors, to find the humor in it, to give yourself a laugh, a reason to live, a reason to survive. Hey, I've had a good laugh. How bad can life be? Yeah. So... Yeah. You do that, it almost becomes ingrained in the DNA. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, one more sentence. One more sentence. Sure, please. Yes. I don't know today you could say that so many of the comedians are Jewish. I think comedians today go a wide range. We're talking about classic 20th century show business here. Yeah. When when the Borscht Belt was a big deal. Oh, and my. Yes. So many, so many comedians were Jewish. Oh, my God. Yes. I had, I was going to just uh, interject that I had a dear friend of mine uh, who was a, a very well-known comedian. His name was Jackie Vernon, a guy who Brilliant. I, I Brilliant. know that you're familiar with him. Of course. Of course. Um, Jackie would be hard-pressed today to even have a career based on what he did for a living. Yes. Um, and sadly... So would seventy-five to ninety-five percent of the of the workforce that's currently, you know, uh, not with us anymore. But thankfully, they left their mark. Lucy, 
will be crucified today. Why, stop, stop with Lucy. Tell me why you think Lucy would be crucified. Because her over-the-top slapstick humor wouldn't be appreciated by the cynical neophytes that live and work and exist today and take up our precious air. And yet the character of Lucy Ricardo was a woman who felt oppressed, yes. who felt that she was just as good as any man who schemed and pushed and prodded to find her place in the sun uh, out of the shade of her famous husband. So I, in some ways, I think the Lucy Ricardo character fits right in with today. She's a power woman. She's girl power. Lucy and Ethel, that's girl power right there. Um, but yes, her style. Keep in mind that Paul did what the writers wrote for her. Yeah, uh, she, did, she was not a clown like Red Skelton. She didn't... Um, they didn't say, ah, Lucille Ball clowns for five minutes while we watch. Right. The writers wrote all of that stuff out for her. Yeah. So she was doing what the writers told her to do. Amelia? Writers, yes. You know, different writers and then different stuff. Amelia, you've been very quiet, young lady. <laughs> I've been listening well, to his to stories. I'm going to unquiet you right now. <laughs> I've been listening You're to his stories. Jeffrey. Have at it. You, you have at it for a while. I've just been listening to his stories and how wonderful they are. And I can understand what you were saying about Lucy. You know, the director says, say, okay, you know, okay, cue, you know, go on, let's start that with Lucy. Like you were saying, cause you know, everybody knew that, you know, it's on cue, let's go. You're funny. But I know that she could be a really serious character, real serious actress when she was told to be. And, um, and I love Lucy really. I mean, she was a great actress. Uh, you know, yeah, she played the she best was. parts, you know, and, She's, they didn't understand that she could be real serious. She could cry, you know. She was a, you know, cer certain parts. She could be a great. Brilliant. Yes. Lucy Ball made mm -hmm. about seventy films before yes. I Love Lucy. Yes, she some sure were dramas, did. Some mm -hmm. were musicals. Some mm -hmm. were comedies. Some were westerns. Some were whodunits. Some were slasher films. She did a little bit of everything. Because she could. She was a brilliant, brilliant actor. She did what she was told. If you watch the, the most famous, Vitamin Avenger. Yes, that's that funny. Script, it's in bold capital letters, black. Everything. Mm -hmm. Lucy tilts her head. Lucy pours the stuff. Lucy makes a face. It's all written out for her. Then she rehearses it and makes it better. As opposed to now different writers. 20 years later, here's Lucy. And there is a script that her name was Lucy Carter in that one yes. that says uh, there are these props on stage. Lucy Carter does five minutes of shtick. Watch the episode sometime. No, she doesn't. It's not funny. This ball doesn't know what to do because the writers didn't tell her anything. Yeah. So she wasn't a clown that way. She was an actor. Yes. Who made you believe? She made us believe that if you put too much yeast into bread dough, the bread will pop out of the oven three times longer than the oven is deep. We believed that. Yeah. We didn't question it because right. she believed it so much. Yes. That's incredible. <laughs> That's a funny Absolutely. one. Yes.
I even and have a picture of her. Tie her into the gay stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, Lucille please. Ball absolutely embraced the gay folks in her life. Yes, absolutely. From day one of I Love Lucy, there was a man named Maury Thompson who was her first script clerk. He eventually became the camera coordinator for her. And for two seasons of the Lucy show, he was her director. Her makeup man, Hal King, the the, the, the Hollywood Museum, that, that very, very, very famous building, the Max Factor building, Hal came from there. Lucille Ball became a redhead there. Her, her costume people, some of her directors, in later years, some of her writers, Mr. Arnaz for all of his machismo. Desi Lou hired dozens and dozens and dozens of gay and lesbian people and didn't think twice about it. Yeah. So Mr. Arnaz and Miss Ball need to be given big applause that the Desi Lou studio was open to everybody. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Jeffrey, you mentioned earlier um, during show and tell uh, Judy Garland yes. being a gay icon. There's another woman who had quite the gay following as uh, this young lady here <laughs> named Miss <laughs> Ethel Merman. Yes. By the way, yes. uh, Jeffrey will be receiving this album in the mail in just a few days. God so bless you, sir. Talk about Ethel. Well, you know, I wrote a book about her. Ethel Merman, the biggest star on Broadway. Yes. Uh, I, I think, and again, you can't say all gay men this or all gay men that. I think the gay men who loved Judy Garland loved her for her power. She was a powerful person. Yes. And for her vulnerability. I think they loved Ethel Merman for the same reason I wrote about her. She was the absolute best at what she did. did, And you couldn't hold Ethel Merman back. Mm -hmm. Power. Power, power, power. I think men who are put upon who who have other people trying to squash them look to people who have power that they can emulate yes and i think that that's why that midler barbara streisand judy garland berman lucy uh have become gay icons because these are powerful women yeah. who didn't let life stop them at a time when women were did what they were told, more or less, mm-hmm. these women said, uh-uh, no, you don't. I'm going to do what I want. And that's your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeffrey, many years ago, when you and I were growing up and we're the same age, so I can say when you and I were growing up, there was a female impersonator, an incredibly talented guy named yes. Jim Bailey. Yes. Um, I adore Jim. I did, I did too as well. Jim was an amazing, an amazing talent. The light, a lovely of- human being. I, I knew Jim at late in his career and late in his life, and I loved spending time with him. And I want to talk about him. I was utterly astounded and fascinated by his uncanny ability to mimic the voice of virtually every female performer that he that he impersonated his best of course as you know the two that he were known for was streisand and garland he also did incredible peggy lee and phyllis diller 
Oh, yes, he did. He did a hell of a Phyllis. So those yeah. those four specifically. And his fame came about because of all the things we were talking about. Judy mm -hmm. died. Stonewall happened. The riot happened. Yeah. Ed Sullivan saw him perform. Judy was gone a very short while. And here was Ed able to bring Judy back, so to speak. It was very show-wise of him. And Ed Sullivan really put Jim on the map. Because of Jim's appearances on Ed Sullivan, he got booked big time in Las Vegas and at Carnegie Hall. And I was happy to be there for one of his Carnegie Hall concerts. The man was absolutely amazing. But he because also, Ed Sullivan Jeffrey, realized. Jeffrey, he also took a hell of a beating from the press yeah. at the time. I was reading some, some clips about him. Um, he was chastised as being the, 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 the F word, I, you know, and we're not going to use that word. I will never use that word. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the machismo community um, looked down there. They looked their, down their nose at this poor guy. I say, I say parenthetically poor, he was making a better living than most of them were, quite frankly, um, and working every day. But Jim Bailey was one of these guys, man, that um, that just for whatever reason, people just took pot shots at. Was it was it the the whole male becoming female thing? Was it the illusion that they were bothered by? I mean, I want to be honest with you. And I'll just say straight up. I'm not telling tales out of school here. When he put on his Judy costume or his Barbara Streisand costume, he was a beautiful woman. He was a beautiful man. Let's start with that. He, he was sure, a I mean, very good-looking... Good-looking guy, yeah. He was a very good-looking man. Yeah. And he did something, you know, drag is as old as entertainment is. Sure. Today, it's a very big business, drag is. Yes. But most drag performers do an exaggerated version of what they think a woman is. Yeah. Gigantic hair and oh, yeah. breasts out to here. And um, they lip sync to women singing. Yes. Jim didn't do that. Jim used his talents and make good makeup and costuming and wig people to look like real women. And yes. he sang. It was his own voice yes. that did Judy Garland, Barbara Streisand, Phyllis Diller, and Peggy Lee. And um, it made him an easy target mm -hmm. because of that. Yeah, There were men, perhaps you, who found him sexually alluring and went, but he's a man and, and got angry at that situation. Well, that, that's what I'm getting at. You yeah. just put your finger on exactly what I was getting at. Um, there were men who didn't like the fact that they were it perhaps in some way turned on. But I mean, you know where I'm you know where I'm going with this. I, I'll 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 share something personal because it, it, it speaks to this. We're the same age. Yes. When I was a younger man, I was really hot. I didn't know it. I had no confidence in myself. And now as an older man, I'm handsome. Okay. Let's, let's, say, let's say that's true. 
Absolutely. I met my Joel when I was 13. Joel was bisexual. So since I am 13, no exaggeration here, maybe 500 men have come to me through the years saying they were bisexual, asking what it would be like to be bisexual, what it would like to be with a man, or that I... Or as one guy said, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my life. When I get around you, I get an enormous erection. And someone has told me that's a gift. If it's a gift, I'd like to return it for something I can actually use. Because mm -hmm. they're not available for me. Yeah. yeah. But if that happens to me, I can't imagine how often it happened to someone like Jim Bailey. Yeah, right. absolutely. So, absolutely. You know, when, when people, sometimes when people are attracted to you sexually, they resent you. Sometimes when people are jealous of you, yeah. they resent you. Yeah. Who does he think he is? It's like, well, who do you think he is? Why is it bothering you so much? Yeah, yeah exactly. Amelia, what is it different for a woman to, to be hit on? by another woman i know um, what it's like to be hit on by men well i mean i think very it's directly much, too and, and a lot of them i think it's pretty much the same i mean i i can tell you i've been hit on by other women and uh it's about the same it's you know it's flattering you know of course but i'm married but you know it is flattering that you find yourself attractive and uh a lot of them are really good friends of mine from high school or they've been friends of mine that i've met along the way from you know from jobs I've that i've had in, in the entertainment industry for 45 years mm -hmm. i have been approached and solicited by if Jeffrey Mark says 500, uh -huh. I said conservatively for me, possibly four and, and maybe a little more because it was, every, I mean, every bit of it. Okay. Um, you're working in the entertainment business. You're in the, and, I, and I worked directly with musicians. I was a sound engineer. I recorded bands. And musicians are a different breed. Because they don't care about whether you're male or female. They care whether you're a person. They love you as, as the person you are, or they don't. Or they don't talk to you at all. Because right. musicians are all in, or they're not. And interestingly, in jazz, which is my field, rising, there are a lot of lesbians and very few gay men. Why is that, Jeffrey? I don't know. It's just an observation. There are very few gay male jazz singers. Mm -hmm. There are very few gay male musicians in jazz I'm talking about. Yeah. Tons of most, most other than Ella Fitzgerald, most of the female jazz singers, real jazz singers you've ever heard of or have seen in a club. Yeah. More than likely were lesbian. I don't know. I don't know why that is. Wow. It's just a thing. Yeah. Where I worked at at a retail place, uh, like a, a home place where you could, you know, buy stuff for your house. I'm not going to say which one it is because there's two of them. Uh, I worked at one of those and there was more lesbian than they were, you know, just, but I was married still at the time, but there was more lesbian that worked there 
and what those places and we were all friends we all got along and it was just like well you know i'm gay and i was like that's fine i i don't mind working with you that's fine that you told me but why is that going to make any difference toward me that you told me that you're gay you know you know, Kansas, I'm going to, to make you a very happy woman tonight. Okay. No, you can't have my body. I'm going to show you a video. <laughs> I'm going to show you a video. Okay. Stinker. I'm going to show you a video. This is this is part two. Part two of show and tell. We got two shows. Oh, we got two part two. Okay, yeah. Yes, check it out. All right, this is Hollywood. Uh because Hollywood celebrating Gay Pride Month. Now, Jeffrey, how often do they do the Hollywood sign up like that? Every every year, every June. That's nice. Okay. Yeah, and it's really fascinating. It's Beautiful. Photo. John Travolta, his sexuality, although he was married to a beautiful woman, Kelly Preston, rest her soul. Uh, he has children. His sexuality has always, always been a point of contention. Why do we care? Uh, I don't know. I don't know why anybody cares about who anyone sleeps with or loves uh, unless it's going to be me. If John right. Travolta wanted to date me, I'd care. Since he doesn't, I don't care. Look, that's not, I I could deal with that. That's easy enough to comprehend. Um, Adam Lambert, um, an incredibly talented guy, amazingly talented guy. Barry Manilow, I was surprised, really, to learn that Barry. Yeah, I honestly was. He was I, Bette Midler's pianist when they got started working in the gay baths and the bathhouses in New York. Yeah. Yes. It's so only yeah, because no, no, no the, surprise. The Jeffrey, honest to God, brother, um, Bruce Valance just told me that like three weeks ago. He told that same story, uh, and I had I didn't make the connection. Barry's been out publicly now for a while. For many years, he hid it. I don't know who this young actor is, Cheyenne Jackson, but he looked familiar, so I pulled his picture up. And this fella Colton Haynes, I don't know who he is either. But I keep him, I'm keeping my mouth shut. So yeah, <laughs> Cynthia, now, Nixon, Cynthia wonderful, Nixon, wonderful, wonderful actor, and she's a lesbian. Yes, um, it also cost her a possible Senate run in New York State. Well, this is why a lot of people hide because it costs you jobs and money and sometimes prestige. Yeah. Um, because Ellen DeGeneres and Elton John are pioneers of the gay community. Certainly Elton. Uh, George Takai is, a, is an interesting guy. My suspicion, Jeffrey, is that you know him. We've met. You've spelled his name wrong, but we've met. Oh, okay. Um, Elton and I, <laughs> it's a funny thing. When we were both younger and thinner, people thought I looked like him. Now that we've gotten older and filled out a little bit, people again think I look like him. Enough so, but he's aware of it. Um, he's got nothing to worry about with his career and mine. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and people, people, and then there was a, a part of time where people thought Bruce Valanche and I were the same person. And I don't get oh, that. Oh, no, I can vouch that you and, you and Bruce are definitely two different people. <laughs> 
Portia Del Rossi, she is the wife of Ellen DeGeneres. Yes. Uh, And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, and that's all I'm going to say, too. I've known known Harvey since the 80s. We were neighbors in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Uh, A delightful, talented, groundbreaking man. Victor Garber. I've seen him in several Broadway shows. Yes. I've, I've met him. I don't know him well. Just two incredibly talented men yep. who made names for themselves. Victor is a great musical comedy guy. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, as so well as I being became a aware of him, Jeffrey. Oh God. Probably mid seventies, late seventies. Um, when he played Jesus in Jesus in a uh, God spell. Yeah. And, uh, and Harvey, of course, you know, uh, a God, and from the first time I saw Harvey Firestein, he was actually hosting his own talk show at the time in New York. I, my, my memory of Harvey goes back to Torch Song Trilogy. Oh, wow. When, when it was on, when it was on Broadway. Wow. Wow. That, that, right. I mean, that's going back. Torch Song Trilogy is like, uh, an opus. Jillian Michaels, um, surprised me i didn't think that she was gay jim parsons of course has been out for a while um but you know this this surprise not surprised i knew i didn't know yeah if you walk up and down the street where any of us lives do we know who anyone's sleeping with we know who anyone's yearning for yeah and then do we care because people are famous it doesn't make them less human and that's why i just pulled that i realized exactly what you said so you know what let's pull that son of a bitch down <laughs> let's put somebody else up here while you young pulling... man oh good heavens there you go. we picked the best picture we could find that and was it, from it, halloween um and i was dressed like elton john and if you don't, this if you don't like this picture, you have to blame Amelia because she picked it. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's funny. I almost wore that tonight. That thing that's on my shoulders. I almost really? wore oh, that. You were gonna, you were gonna wear that. Yeah. I love wow. that. It's a, it's a great, so great outfit. So let's talk. Where do we go? How do we, as a nation, as a people, how do we progress forward? And, and accept uh, our diversity, whether think, whether I gay, think, whether straight, whether black, white, Chinese, Japanese, whatever the case may be. I think yeah. we need to stop labeling. We all live in the United States of America. I guess that makes us Americans. Yet 95% of us genetically come from someplace else. Yeah. Some of us are men, some of us are women, some of us are both. I think we need to start looking at people as individuals. One of the backlashes from World War II, and also tying into Madison Avenue, is this idea that everybody who lives in, in the United States is the same. We Americans do this or that. It's the American way. We all celebrate the holidays. And you know what? It's not true. 
from home to home, from person to person, yeah. everything is done differently. I think if we start looking at persons as individuals, all right, here's a person. I'm meeting him for the first time. Yeah. I'm allowed to like or dislike the person. Hopefully, it's because their intelligence, their talent, they're good-hearted, they're not good-hearted. Uh, it's okay that they're sexually attractive to me or that they're not right. sexually attracted to me or to of me or to me. Right. Um, and just fit in the people to my life that fit in my life. And I don't want to judge the folks who don't. I yeah. love being Jeffrey Mark. Mm -hmm. You should. Being Jeffrey Mark is pretty cool these days. You're working a lot. Yeah, well, thanks to you and lots of other people. Um, I love being Jeffrey Mark. I love not hiding who I am. You know, I, I am uh, unblackmailable. Everybody knows I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows I'm gay. Everybody knows who my husband was for 47 years. Mm -hmm. There's there's no secrets, which which makes life so much easier to live with. It's a great place to be when there's no secrets, Jeffrey, because nobody got nothing on you. No, they don't. Nope. Um, I'm nope. not jealous of any other. There are people, peers of mine, who maybe right this moment are working more than I. Right. Yay. My dear friend, Terry Ray. Uh, who's a who's a, a um, playwright, author, singer, comedian, mm -hmm. actor. He's in everything right now. Yay! Hooray for Terry Ray. He's got more success. That means there's more success for me out there. Absolutely. And if I lift him up, he'll lift me up, and we go exactly. up the ladder together. Exactly. I want. Did you hear what he said, folks? Absolutely. Did you hear what he said? Okay. We can, as Harvey Firestein said, can't we just all get along? Yeah, we can. We Live can. As one. And Jeffrey Mark showed you how. In yes. In living color and in, in straight I, everyday I, terms. I am the luckiest son of a bitch on the planet, and that the love of my life at thirteen. I literally got my career handed to me at 15. I got cast in the very first thing I auditioned for. And I was brought to the audition because my father was drunk and I was afraid he was going to hurt me. And a friend said, grab sheet music and yeah. drove me an hour to an audition. And I got the part. No, I've been in show business ever since. That is I a have, wonderful thing. I have wonderful, wonderful friends in show business. And lucky enough that people like Lucille Ball and Milton Burrell and Jack Carter and Steve Allen and Don Wells mentored me, befriended me, saw yeah. the talent in me and helped me to develop it. Can I tell you something, my friend? You and I have uh, Dawn Wells in common. She Dawn and I, were, and I, we she were, and I were close friends for 25 yeah. years. I wasn't I didn't have that level of friendship, but I Dawn was a friend. Um, I did one of the, and she wasn't big into doing interviews for people. She did an interview for me. Uh, I had a show at the time here in New Jersey called, um, called Steppin' Out. I almost forgot the name of my show. <laughs> it was called Steppin' Out. It was a companion television show to a newspaper called Steppin' Out Magazine. And, um, 
out of that, I became friends with Dawn uh, and Bob Denver with Jerry Mathers, uh, Adam West, um, and got to know uh, on a personal level the people that I watched on television. And guys like uh, Marty Nodell, who created the Green Lantern comic book. Um, you know, the, the guys that, uh, you know, guys like Stan Lee and um, who created every comic book. <laughs> or at least he claimed to anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Kane, you know, we know now did not create Batman. But Bob Kane is like the guy from the producers. Bob Kane had an idea and he yeah. got an artist to draw it and a writer to write it. And he put his name on it. That's what he did. It's exactly yeah. what he did. Yep. But the, the real guy's name is uh, Jim Flowers. I believe his name, Jim Flowers. I th isn't that his name? The, the, the guy who created Batman, Jim Flowers? No, sir. What, what was it? Tell me, what am I missing here? Um, of course, I could have told you this. I could have told you the author and the artist 500 times until you asked me what the names were. But both of them worked on the Batman. Oh, he's going to look it up on, uh, for Who us. Who created Batman? They um, wrote and drew Batman together and then with other people for many, many years. Uh, Bob, Bob Kane did some artwork, but mostly it was people Bob was hiring. Bill Finger. Bill Finger, yes. There's an award name for him in the comic book industry. I said Jim Flowers. No, it was Bill Finger. I knew there was an F in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there usually is. Yeah. <laughs> I got that reference too, Jeffrey. <laughs> Amelia, uh -huh. young lady, questions. Oh, sure. Um, back to, um, <laughs> what would you say to someone that's wanting to come out but's afraid to come out? Uh, Good question. I would I would ask them why they're afraid and listen to their reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, they may have some good ones. If their life is in danger, if they're in danger of losing a roof over their head, if there is violence in their future for coming out, then I would uh, take them to the gay and lesbian community center in their neighborhood or their city and have them get some professional help because they will help you get housing. That kind of thing did not exist when I was a kid. Yes, it does. Um, here in Florida, we have Today there is help. And I would tell them, and there was a whole movement uh, like this, it gets better Incredible. because part of being a gay kid is being a kid and whether you're a gay kid or a straight kid or a bi yeah. kid being a kid is hard and hitting puberty is difficult and being a teenager turns most of us into assholes for a little while yeah to ourselves and to each other and being gay just makes it that much harder Children yeah. and teens can be very cruel to each other. Yes. Funny thing, as a kid, my biggest fears were my family and the, the boys at school. Yeah. And as an adult, it's the women. 
men, for whatever reason, respect me. The the homophobia I have gotten has been from my family, mm -hmm. my blood family, to, to whom I no longer speak. Yeah. And uh, from women, that I'm not man enough to suit their judgment of what a man should yeah i be. don't get that whole thing either jeffrey um and, and some I'm of those gonna... women and some of those women are so masculine it's like yeah. if i judged you the same way i'd be calling you a lesbian because of stereotypes right. yeah it's incredible I, I would tell people we are individuals there are no stereotypes and the happy yeah. life is being yourself and listening to what your body tells you who you are yeah. and what you should be doing in life and then do that whatever that is do it and if you do that you'll be happy i am so glad we did this show amelia this was a good one yes it was and that's why jeffrey mark is coming back yet again he doesn't know it yet but he is are we over are we done not yet okay yes, good yeah we got we got about uh, 15 minutes left. We're going to go about 90 minutes tonight. Because my brother uh, first met him. Oh, yeah. um, Amelia's uh, microphone is cutting out on her, so I'm going to have to mute you, Amelia. What are you doing to your microphone? Are you beating it up? What the hell are you doing, Emma? <laughs> no. Here, uh, hold there on. There you go. Whatever you did, you fixed it. Okay. Uh, as I was telling you that my brother-in-law, when I first met him, uh, he came up to me. He says, I want to talk to you. And I said, sure, not a problem. Uh, he's, uh, I'm gay. And, and I said, so? And he says, well, I just want to let you know. And I'm like, that doesn't bother me. I said, are you happy? He says, well, yes, I am. And I said, well, that's all that matters to me. As long as you're happy, that's all I care about. And I said, I'd like to meet him. And he says, okay, well, he'll be here later to meet you. And I said, that's all that matters to me. You know, um, Amelia knows my background, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I don't know if you know it, Jeffrey, but uh, I spent a long time in professional wrestling, and there was always this um, kind of a, a locker room etiquette that if you were gay, you had to tell the promoter first so he could tell the boys. Oh, my gosh. And now it's the opposite. If you're straight, you got to tell the boys. Because let me tell let me tell you a story. Yeah, back in the '70s and early '80s, there was a gym in Manhattan, off of Sixth Avenue in the upper '50s, and it was peopled by gay porn performers when they'd come to New York City, uh -huh. and gay wrestlers or wrestlers when they come to New York City. Mm -hmm. They all shared the same gym. They all worked out together. Um, I befriended a lot of these people because I saw them as artists. Yeah. I saw them as performers. I love performers. Mm -hmm. And um, do you remember Sergeant Slaughter? I knew him very well. I knew him better. I'm sure you did. Um. It wasn't open it wasn't. back then. Handsome Jimmy Valiant. You know, there were a lot of people. I know Jimmy wrestling. Valiant for 38 years. There were a lot of people in professional wrestling who were bi-curious. Mm -hmm. Because wrestling, if you think about it, two men wearing, wearing 
next to nothing with heavy boots yeah. slamming their bodies together yeah. until one submits. How gay can you get? Right. So it's always been wrestling has always been a gay icon. And I got to know some of these people. Some Think of whom about... were, were, were very unhappy. Yeah. Again, acceptance. They were very unhappy, afraid of the world finding out. And I think they liked me because of what I said earlier. Yeah. I treated them like individual persons. We went to yeah. dinner. We talked. And I treated them as, as the way I would like to be treated. And they yeah. really appreciated it. Jeffrey, it's a different world today. Um, Thank God. As, as I said, you know, it's almost yeah. like you have to let them know if you're straight. Because they're, they are professional wrestlers, as you know, Jeffrey, are... Um, a family, they're a tight-knit group. It's kind of like being in a mob, you know, like you have to know somebody to get in. And that's just still was that way then, and it's still that way now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, if you don't, you don't get in unless you know someone. And uh, particularly if you're of name caliber. Um, I worked, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of these people. Jimmy Valiant is a dear friend. In fact, I'm in his book. Um, so back in the day, let's go talk about stereotypes. Back in the day, 1961, 62, gorgeous George. You didn't get any more flamboyant than that. Or any sexier than Bruno Sammartino. And Bruno, I knew Bruno <laughs> in life. The guy was a gorilla, but he was a manly man. You know? Bruno was manly, awesome. yes, but I liked him too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno was my hero growing up, and I got to be his friend uh, in later in life, uh, and I'm very uh, proud and honored of that. Um, I don't Amelia. know exactly why the wrestling community and the porn community accepted me because I wasn't I wasn't doing porn and I wasn't wrestling. Yeah. Um. But in the 70s and 80s, I, I traveled those roads yeah. socially, and they enjoyed my company, and I got it's to know them as Interesting, persons. Jeffrey, that you mentioned wrestling and the gay film industry, uh, uh, gay porn, or, or the porn business, actually, um, because there still is, to this day, a connection between adult films and professional wrestling. Sure. A lot of wrestlers go into that when their career's over and a lot of them come from that. Yes. Crossbreeding, you know? so to speak. Yeah, 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 ex yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one actor Born. had to be in, uh, did some of those just to even make money before his uh, film actually made money, which is Sylvester Stallone. We all know that story. Oh God. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, the purported, um, adult film that Stallone did. I got mm -hmm. news for you. If you want to go and, and dive into it, there are a lot of mainstream actors and actresses who have a couple of skin flicks under their belt. Trust me. When or I tell you. or oh, they yeah. did photography. Oh, mm -hmm. sure. Oh, yes. Absolutely. There's a lot of photography Tony, around there. Jeffrey, do you remember the uh, back in New York, back in the day in the, in the 60s and early 70s, there were groups called... Uh, Photography clubs. Oh, sure. You remember them? They used to um, hire models and, and four or five, maybe six photographers would take your picture. Right. 
and they'd be nude or semi-nude or uh, in, involved in different poses or whatever the case. That was, I got news for you. A lot of people made a living doing that. A lot of famous people, faces you would know, made a living doing that. One of our presidents did it. Yes, absolutely. How about that for a little dangle, folks? Figure out which one of our presidents <laughs> yep. and did we, that. You know, right? we all got quiet because we ain't saying shit. Let's just put it this way. It was one of our presidents, and he was an actor. That yeah. leaves you with two to pick. Yep. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, figure it out. Yep. And we're uh, not Amelia, saying who. Tell everybody what's coming up, kid. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, on uh, June 16th, we're actually going to have a gentleman by the name of uh, Brandon Keaton, a filmmaker for Turbo Cola. And on June 21st, we're going to have a, a wonderful a guy by the name of Alistair Cross. He's an author for Vampire Werewolf. Kind of Alistair Cross. Yes. Yes. Send me my book today. I got I yeah. got a book in the mail today yeah. that looked like the New York phone directory. Jeffrey. Right? <laughs> you got you got your book too, finally, huh? Yeah, and on um, heavy too. Yes. <laughs> it was just I told, yeah, I told the master, I'm gonna read this. It's yeah. gonna take me forever. <laughs> and well, I'm doing 20. this, people. People that can't hear this and looking at that's people. Like, what is we're talking that? About. <laughs> Paul Rubens, folks, right there. Right, and on that. And then on the 29th and 30th, we're going to have Pearl Jr. for more of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Oh, man. The mystery continues. Absolutely. Pearl Jr. is going to drop some bombs on Michael. Let me tell you something, folks. You do not want to miss that show. And we got some numbers from Pearl's appearance here. Let me tell you. Did you say Michael owed you some money, too, by the way? That we, yeah, he owes me 20 yeah, bucks. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Michael, you know you owe me 20 bucks, sucker. Fess <laughs> up, okay? I know where you live, dude. Right? But, yes, um, Pearl Jr. will be here the 29th and the 30th. Two days yeah, running. Two nights, yes. And we will, we, of course, you know, you, you come here once, you're a guest, you come back again, your family, Jeffrey Marcus family now. Yes. Um, Jeffrey, tell everybody what's going on, where they can reach you, what you got coming up, and where you will be performing, my friend. Sure. Um, well, I have my weekly radio show, Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella, which is available on radio stations as well as podcasts and every major podcast place. Mm-hmm. I play Ella's music on a theme and tell you what, what, what was the backstory, what was happening backstage, what's exciting about it. Every week, we're getting very good numbers. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. Uh, the new Lucy book is coming out next year. You'll see some of Lucy behind me. I love that. Well, uh, well, I'm glad you asked. That was done by Henry Lamar, and that will be the cover of the book. Oh, that's That's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. That's exquisite. Then I'm working on a book with Wink and Sandy Martindale about Mm -hmm. Sandy's life, because Sandy dated Elvis Presley, and she dated... um, Oh, gosh. Another one. Another name I'm losing. Uh, Wayne Newton. Before she oh, married Wayne. Wayne. Yes. So the book will be about her life. I love Wayne Newton. Her father was a very big nightclub owner in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And she got to know everybody in show business when she was a youngster. So there is that book. There are my memoirs will be coming out next year as well. The yes. Devil Was Born in Brooklyn, which is a copyrighted title, folks. You cannot steal it. 
Yep. Okay. Um, I did a gig here in Palm Springs that went so well. It's coming out as a DVD. So Jeffrey Mark in Palm Springs oh, is coming out. Yes. That, in the fight with Ella, right? You did Ella that night. Yes. Jeffrey Mark sings the Ella Fitzgerald songbook. Uh, oh, is also the name of an album I'll be recording in the fall. Um, and then next year I'll be doing a singing tour. When it brings me back east, I can do your show live with you in the studio. Yes. You let Yay. me know if you're anywhere near New York or New Jersey. No, oh, I will be there. I'll be singing at the Triad Theater. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh man. Love to get you in person and hang out with you and buy. You I'd love to get you in person too. Believe me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll even make sure that my wife stays home. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you did that. I'll buy the Italian food. There you go. There you go. For Jeffrey Mark at Jeffrey Martin. Is it JeffreyMark.com? Do you have a website? Uh, get me on Facebook as Jeffrey Mark. Okay. Or you, you can it. get me a Jeffrey Mark show business showbiz with a B-I-Z on Instagram or um, at Jeffrey Mark on uh, Twitter uh, or turn on your electric toothbrush. I'll show up sooner or later. There you go. Hot <laughs> damn. And uh, Amelia, it's yes. uh, Amelia Chapman. It's what is it? A A A chat seven zero at gmail.com. There you go. And we also have an Instagram account on What's the Buzz. And we actually have a, a new group. Don't, uh, everyone, it's a What's the Buzz uh, a group. It's uh, no longer a What's the Buzz page. We're going to be discontinuing that page. So please follow us on What's the Buzz podcast group. Group, absolutely. <laughs> and we are, by the way, um, and I wanted to tell, you know, we did... The numbers we did on Elvis were uh, 312,000. Yeah. Wow. On our, on our streaming. That's um, fantastic. Pearl Jr. beat Elvis by about 50,000. Wow. Uh, the Pearl was is climbing is like almost 370,000. Well, fantastic. Hopefully, hopefully, this show will do as well. Uh, well, the last numbers that we did for you, Jeffrey, were somewhere around 90,000. Yes. All right, respectable, but it needs to very, grow. Yeah, very, very respectable. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, this one, I think, you know what? Because we do, for whatever reason, and I don't, Amelia, we can't figure this out yet. Mm. But our Thursday night shows do better than our Tuesday, and I don't know why. Wow. Maybe it's because it's closer to the weekend. I'm not really Probably sure. Probably so. Well, hopefully now that it's the summertime and it just reruns and stuff like that, people will be watching us more now. So. Yeah. They can catch us live here on Tuesday and Thursday nights at 7 Eastern time. Yeah. And uh, and everybody loves the new studio behind me. And um, so it's all good. And uh, you'll be seeing my happy face uh, as often as you want to every Tuesday and Thursday. And Amelia and I are actually talking about maybe going a couple more nights a week. Yes. Cool. This would be a great Saturday night show. You know, we were actually talking about doing that. But mm-hmm. my wife has a problem because she doesn't want me. Um, she likes to keep me freed up on the weekend yes, to go on a date. A dinner well, no, date. to go to the to the Amish Mart and buy food. <laughs> <laughs> spend some time with the wife. We're gonna eat. Um, <laughs> spend some time with the wife, of course. And I have to show her my diamond art. <laughs> <laughs> You guys can reach me at Mad Dog Decipio on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, 
YouTube, um, yes. uh, where else? wherever, wherever I am, there I am. So what's the buzz you know, page? Or I've, done, the I've buzz? done nothing on TikTok. Is it worth it? Yes, it, it really is. is. Yeah, it really, really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. The numbers off, are phenomenal. Off mic, off mic and off camera. Tell me about it. Because we don't okay. bore our fans. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Maybe going to fill you in on that one. Yes. So, folks, for Jeffrey Mark, for Amelia Pitbull Chapman, I am Mad Dog DeCipio. Till I see you again Thursday night. Take care. Be kind to each other. Peace out. Right. Come on.